I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. James Soul is currently appearing in Come From Away on Broadway, where he last appeared in A Naked Girl on the Appian Way at Roundabout Theatre Company. He has appeared off-Broadway in K-pop, receiving a Lucille Lortel nomination as Outstanding Lead Actor, and in 10, Second Generation, and The Long Season at the Public Theater. James has also appeared at some of the most prestigious regional theaters across the country, including the Paper Mill Playhouse, the American Conservatory Theater, Steppenwolf, Goodspeed, Shakespeare Santa Cruz, Hartford Stage, and the Shakespeare Theatre Company and Woolly Mammoth Theatre Company in Washington, D.C. You may have also seen James on television in The Flight Attendant on HBO Max and in Living With Yourself on Netflix. He is a graduate of the Juilliard School Drama Division and the University of Virginia. Hi, James. Hi, Stefan. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for being on American Theater Artists Online. I'm so happy we finally got to talk. Yes, me too. Well, you know, you're a bit busy, right? Um, And it was hard. It was hard for us to to find a time to talk, but I'm glad that we found it. And the reason you're busy is that you are currently appearing on Broadway in Come From Away, um, which is a big deal. It's a lot of work. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, yeah, we opened three weeks ago. No, two weeks ago. Oh my gosh, it's a blur. I feel like ever since pandemic, my ability to gauge time has been completely altered. Uh, yeah, we opened very recently. I'll say that, and it's been it's been the most wonderful and exhausting experience of my life. <laughs> I can imagine. You're part of the cast that got to reopen the show, right, on Broadway this fall. Yeah. Yeah, we reopened the show. I am the only new company member. Uh, Everybody else was in the company before Broadway shut down. And so I went through this very uh, whirlwind four-week rehearsal process. The cast came in my second week. And just from day one, it it was, uh, it's just been this amazing roller coaster, you know, And, and I mean that in the best way. You know, the the hardest I've ever worked, uh, like I said, the most tired I've ever been, but also, the most, honestly, the most thrilling time I've ever had as an artist. 
Wow. And you know, I know it's not your first time on Broadway. I know you were um, on a sh- in a show um, at the Roundabout Theater uh, several years ago, but this must have felt different and special because here we are after 18 months or more of COVID shutdown, and you've got to be part of this reopening cast. Uh, what were some of the things, tell, you know, share with the people listening what some of the special things were that you had to do to keep everyone safe and to ensure that, that you guys, I mean, you're reopening during a global pandemic. That can't be easy. Yeah, well, you know, I think one of the benefits of <laughs> commercial theater, Broadway specifically, is that I imagine there's a bit more financial resources than, say, maybe some of the regional theaters around the country or maybe even smaller theaters or certainly off-Broadway theaters. So I feel like because there's more financial resources, there's a bit more practical ability to, you know, take care of audiences, to take care of the, the company, including crew and stage management. And so we get tested twice a week. The, the Broadway mandate that everyone that enters any Broadway theater has to be vaccinated, you know, so they can, I think they can allow and manage things like this. And so I, it's interesting. It's not that I don't think about the pandemic. <laughs> I think about it every day. Sure. <laughs> but I do feel as safe as I can possibly feel. And I think that's probably true for most people that enter any Broadway house. And again, I think that's because there is the ability to, to, to be able to pay for these testing services and, and, you know, to be able to collectively have the power to, to have these vaccination mandates, you know, both for people who work in the theaters and, and audiences as well. Yeah, I think it's really important for people to feel safe and for performers to feel safe and for the audiences to feel safe. Now, the audiences are required to um, be vaccinated or show proof of vaccination or a test, right? And or um, be ma- and they also have to be masked, right? The audience, correct? Yeah. So yes, both. both of those yeah. things. Yeah, and so the the cast is not masked, obviously, but because you guys are singing and doing all those things. But um, uh, well, people have tried the masking in other theaters as well while they're performing, and I don't know how people can. I, I know, I, you know, God bless. I don't know how people can do that. That's got to be uh, weird and difficult. But you guys are not masked on stage, just in case there's anyone listening in who has not yet gone to a Broadway show, and there could be some people that are thinking of going to a Broadway show. But what I've heard, I haven't gone yet myself, but I'm going soon. Um, is that it, it's a very safe environment. It's really a much safer environment than some of the other environments you might find yourself in during the day. <laughs> I think that's probably very true, to be perfectly honest. And, and maybe I'm, I'm probably biased, you know, because I work in a Broadway theater. But, you know, all these spaces have had to revamp all their, you know, HVAC systems and there's air purifiers everywhere and, 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 you know, we have an actual dedicated COVID safety team mm-hmm. that works with our producers, you know, and I think that's true for every Broadway show, every commercial Broadway show. show. So, um, yeah, I think that had to be the priority. And because it's such an important priority, uh, like I said, it feels it feels as close to pre-shutdown as it can possibly feel, given, again, as, as you mentioned you know, a minute ago that we're still in the midst of a global pandemic. Right, right. It's amazing. And uh, my hat goes off to all of you 
uh, and, and my gratitude to all of you that are working so hard on Broadway right now, as if it wasn't hard enough to be in a Broadway show. Now it's a Broadway show with, <laughs> with added safety and health concerns. But thank you uh, for yes. keep, keeping the, the light on and for, for uh, restarting Broadway. It's been a really exciting fall for those of us that love theater, whether it was at the Tony Awards or, or, or sort of just seeing reports of, of, of these shows that have been slowly reopening across the great, you know, Broadway. And I, I, it's just so great. And you must be thrilled um, to be in this show. And tell me a little bit more about what you do in the show. I've seen, I saw the show at Ford's Theater here in DC prior to it going to Broadway. So that incarnation. And then I saw recently the Apple Plus uh, video recording, the, the, the live uh, recording of a live performance, I should say, uh, film. And that was, I, I hadn't seen the show in so long. Oh, beautiful, right? Yeah, it was really an interesting, and oh. they've really done a great job. I urge people to see the show live, but if you can't see the show live, I mean, I think it's, they're two totally different experiences, but it's wonderful. Um, so tell me about the role you play, you're playing, what track, as we say in, in theater, right? For those listening, what, what role are you playing in the show? Yes. I play the Kevin T track, uh, but that's also, it, it's sort of always tricky to, when people ask, you know, who we play, because we all, there's 12 of us in the cast, uh, and we all play, you know, a multitude of roles, you know, and they all range in size. Some of the roles are just one line, others are much more expansive than that. Um, so what's great about the show is that every actor, well, first of all, the range that every actor gets to display, you know, because it, the, each of us plays such a range of characters. And I think part of that range is that we play, we each get to play plain people, which are the people that arrived to Gander. Mm -hmm. And then we also get to play the actual Ganderites who welcomed, you know, the 7,000 uh, people that were, that were stranded. And uh, so it, it's just, I, it's my favorite kind of theater because we don't have elaborate sets and elaborate costumes. The audience basically has to meet us essentially halfway, meaning that we all just kind of switch characters with like a slight physical shift or a slight change in the voice or sometimes in a dialect shift. And, you know, the audience has to be there with us and they have to help us envision the plane or they have to help us envision the buses that are taking the, the you know, the 7,000 people to various parts of Newfoundland. And I just, I love that. I mean, I think for commercial theater, for Broadway, it, it's sort of as experimental as it can possibly get, given that, you know... There, again, there's not huge technical effects. And, and I love spectacle and I love, you know, when there's a, a big, beautiful palatial Broadway set. Mm -hmm. But this, for my money, is, uh, it's my favorite kind of theater because it, it sort of harkens back to acting school days when it was just <laughs> a bunch of theater students in a room and you have chairs and maybe some tables and you know those doors that are kind of separate you know on wheels and you have to imagine that it's a whole different space and a whole different set of people and it's it's the most exciting to me and it, it's such a great opportunity for actors because it gives us an it gives us a, a platform to be virtuosic you know because we've got to literally shift characters in a split second mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exciting. 
I have really to say exciting. that when I saw it at Ford's, I kept thinking to myself, this is a wonderful show. First of all, I had no idea what to expect when I walked in. But um, when I walked out, I said, this is a brilliant, she's one of the best musicals I've ever seen. You know, I was so moved by it. And then my next thought was, this will never end up on Broadway. It's way, it's not commercial enough. That was my thought, right? And it, what a shame. That Those were my thoughts. And lo and behold, luckily, I was wrong. And it did end up on Broadway. <laughs> Here we are. Um, yeah. I'm so glad. You're right. It is absolutely totally different than anything else on Broadway. So anyone who's going to New York, I urge them to 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 get a seat, to get a ticket, to see this wonderful. It goes by in a flash, uh, and it's so theatrical and yet in such a human way. Uh, and, and yeah, so that, that's it. all of that is in addition to this incredible story. You know, this thing that happened in real life. This message that gets communicated, uh, you know, uh, it's my, my very first rehearsal. Um, Danny Goldstein and Chris Ashley, you know, they started the rehearsal with, "Okay, the show is about showing kindness and generosity to other people when it is difficult to do that." And you know, what better message? <laughs> Yeah, for now, for today. Something in 2021. Absolutely. You know? And so when you mentioned Christopher Ashley, for those listening in, that's the Tony Award winning director of Come From Away and many other shows, uh, yeah. who, who is one of my uh, secret favorite directors, has been for 20 some years. Uh, I loved his production of Merrily We Roll Along at the Kennedy Center as part of the Sondheim celebration years ago. And uh, Yes, that's right. And I just he remember, yeah. One yes, too. yeah, and yes, and so I remember thinking, this guy's fantastic. He should do more. I hope that they use him more. And here we are. And so, um, come from away is really a feat of of direction, and so great. I was about to ask you if you got any time in the room to work with him. So, how did the process happen? Did you get a talk? Talk to us a bit about your finding out that you had it. Did you audition? Did you get called into audition? Was it a, a cold call? I mean, what happened? How, how was the process of finding out that you were going to be um, a part of this reopening cast? Yeah, um, my agents got me an appointment. And of course, the irony with that is that uh, my agents and I had a conversation pre-pandemic and I, I just said, you know, I'm just not... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not equipped for musicals. I don't, you know, I don't think there's not a show that I could really, you know, eight times a week. And it's such a, it's such a challenging thing to, to be a musical theater actor, you know, with the performance schedules and, and being able to maintain and sustain for as long as these incredible people on Broadway do, you know, these, these, these musical theater actors. And so, you know, I just said, you know, just let's, let's put that, to the side and, you know, uh, you know, just submit me for TV and film. <laughs> wow. And of course, midsummer, just this past midsummer, my agent came with this self tape request for come from away. And, you know, I emailed him back and I was like, are you sure? Like, this is not a part that normally someone who looks the way I do has ever played. And he was like, well, you know, given the conversations that we're having now as a, as an, as a country, you know, the, the larger cultural conversations we're having, the producers are, and the creative team are, are, are actively trying to reinvestigate the way that they cast the show. Mm. So I said, okay. So I, I made a tape. Uh, there were four short scenes and a couple of songs. 
Uh, and then I got a call back and I had a work session with Danny Goldstein and our wonderful musical director, uh, Wendy Cavett. We worked for maybe like 15 minutes a few days later and, you know, he gave me some adjustments. They, they both gave me really wonderful, specific, actable adjustments. And then I had a dance call with uh, mm-hmm. our associate choreographer, Ricky, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Ricky Hines. And uh, it was interesting. I mean, that part was the most interesting because, you know, I could only get my camera to... Oh, this was all over Zoom, by the way. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, okay, hold up. Yeah, you did sorry. all of this process yeah. over the computer. Yeah, all over Zoom. The, uh, the work session over Zoom. The the dance the dance work session was over Zoom, and I had to back the camera all the way, you know, my living room. And oh, still, geez. you could only quite you couldn't quite see my feet to sure. do the choreography. Yep. Uh, but went through it um, uh, a few times with with Ricky, and then the final callback was after that, and it was in my basically in my dining room, and <laughs> it was everybody, you know, these like sixteen squares on on my zoom screen and you know chris ashley the producers um kelly divine the choreographer um yeah everybody was there and just we redid the scenes and uh chris gave me a few adjustments for a couple of the scenes and and then that was it and then a few days later i i heard that i gotten it and i, I you know i, I I'm, I'm still floored and incredulous and you know bursting with gratitude for all of it for all of it the fact that this was all managed during a pandemic and somehow it all worked out over zoom i mean that just seems ridiculous did it a year ago that would have been ridiculous yeah i mean for sure did it feel different i mean i know that you've auditioned for many a show uh, in the room pre- prior to COVID-19. Um, were you less nervous, more nervous? Was it the same? I'm just curious, on Zoom um, than when you're in the room? I actually, you know, I think the reactions to Zoom auditions and self-tapes, it runs the gamut with, with actors. I'm, I'm, I belong at the end of the spectrum where I actually enjoy it. I like it. Mm-hmm. I, I should say I enjoy it. <laughs> I don't think I enjoy auditioning, but... I like it better. Yeah, because you're in your own think, home, maybe. Yeah, I have a little bit more control over things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at, by the time that I got to the come from away process, the, the audition process, you know, I, I'd done enough self-tapes. I'd gone through enough of the working through Zoom or mm-hmm. I had some practical wisdom about how to, about how to manage it, you mm-hmm. know, so... I, you know, I set up, I knew exactly how I wanted to set up my camera and my computer and where I wanted the lights to be. And I, I knew exactly where I was going to look because some of the scenes required other people, you know, mm. for me to look at people. And so, you know, I, I already had a lot of practical wisdom around how to manage it for myself so that I could be at my best. Wow. And so I, I thought, I think the advantages far outweigh the negatives for for all the self taping and, and remote auditioning. That's amazing. It's really interesting. So let me let me address something that you said earlier that I don't want to let go because you mentioned that you're you're playing a track or the role as you just said. Everyone plays a, a variety of different roles in Come From Away. For anyone who's seen it, you're doing sort of the Kevin T track. You said is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. and, and that you thought that this wouldn't be a track that you normally would be called for in past in the past, and that now the producers were looking at something different. What? 
is this a role usually not played by someone who is Asian? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) And let me ask you a follow-up then to that. So talk to me a bit about that and talk to me. Are you the first Asian American man to be in this show on Broadway? Yes. I think you are. On Broadway. Yes. I think that's true. I think that's right. Okay, well, Uh, there you go. Christine Toy Johnson plays Bonnie on tour. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Pearl's son has been, I believe she, she was a female standby. Uh, she, she did play, um, sorry, hold on. I got to figure out these names. She, uh, Christine doesn't play Bonnie. She plays Diane. Pearl played Bonnie for three weeks mm. while Petrina, Petrina Bromley was filming a TV series in Canada. Sure. So Pearl, actually, she and I opened the show to get, reopened the show together. Mm. And it was this amazing, wonderful moment of solidarity you know to have sure. her to have to be able to rehearse with her and then open the show and you know there's two two people in a 12 person cast who are asian american mm-hmm. um but i am the only yeah i'm the only asian american male male to be in the ever to have ever been in the broadway production i believe that's true certainly to play this role wow so it's a moment I, it, you've got to feel the weight of that moment, right? So there's a bit, there's something to be said, you know, about Asian American representation, particularly on Broadway um, and in theater in general. We can talk more about that later. But how does it feel in this particular show to sort of be able to to represent, be able to to show more of the diversity of, of you know, American society and culture? Oh, it's a thrill. I mean, there's no other way to put it because, well, number, number one, I'm certainly grateful that the team and the producers were willing to to reinvestigate. Of course, that's a given. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, I think what's most thrilling about it is just to be able to do what I talked about earlier. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think I'm pretty good in the role. <laughs> I'm think, sure you are. I've I seen think, you on stage. So I maybe. think, yeah, I think that I am playing something where I can bring to bear all of the actor training that I've received. Now that includes both in acting school, but also all the things I've learned subsequent to that, you know, and all the productions and the shows that I've done mm-hmm. and all the other actors I've encountered and things that I've learned from them and all the directors that I've encountered and things that I've learned from them. And it, it's this opportunity, this wonderful opportunity to be able to show this incredible amount of range mm-hmm. and just to be able to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I just to be able to show that, oh, here's this person who happens to be Asian American, but, but he can do it. He can, he can, he can do the same things that any other actor on that stage can do. Right, and you're, you're the influence you're having isn't just on Asian American actors who can, or young people who can be sitting in the audience seeing you and going, oh, I could be in the show one day, right? There's that side. But then there's the opening of the minds of the people who are sitting in the audience who may not be Asian going, oh, sure, it works. So it, opening their minds as well, right? So you're, you're working yes, in sort yes, of two levels. Exactly right. Yeah, I have no problem with this as I'm watching, you know, a, a, a very, a, a pretty diverse cast of people just be a diverse cast of characters, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. the story still happens. The weight of the story still gets communicated. The value of the story still get, gets communicated. You know, I, at some point in the play, I played George Bush. And so, Which is great. you know, I, 
I just, it, you know, if, if we can sus- suspend our disbelief that people can start breaking out into song or no choreography <laughs> altogether, right? I feel like we should be able to suspend our disbelief for a lot of other things. Right, the rest shouldn't matter. Right. And it's funny because even you said, as you were describing when you were getting the opportunity to be, to audition, um, you said, well, you wouldn't, you didn't think you'd normally be considered for, the, even considered for this role. So something's yeah. changed and shifted, and that's a good thing. Yes, definitely. And I think that that belief came from, or comes from, you know, that thing we all of us actors do. We, we look at the history of a show, or the history of a role, or the, the, the actors that have played things before us, and, you know, we, we weigh those practical realities against what our abilities are. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't that I didn't think I could play the role. It's that I just thought, you know, historically the actors who have played the role don't look the way I do. So I'm not even going to start to, I need to focus my energies on things that are practically realistic, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk a bit about what you were saying earlier about, you know, this is a culmination in a way of a lot of hard work. It's a culmination of many, many years. I mean, you know, you haven't. You didn't just start yesterday. It's not like you showed up in New York uh, yesterday and then got cast in Come From Away. Uh, you've been working. You have vast, vast theater experience. Uh, as I was looking through your resume, not only having worked off-Broadway, having done another Broadway show off-Broadway, but you have worked, you have vast regional theater experience. I was looking at the list of theaters that you've worked at across the country. These are some of the most preeminent, most prestigious regional theaters in the country. You've worked at Steppenwolf in Chicago, ACT in San Francisco, the Shakespeare Theater in Woolly Mammoth in DC. You've worked at really across the country. Um, what's it been like? What have you learned from all these regional theaters? You know, our audiences in say Chicago uh, and in, you know, uh, San Francisco different than those in DC. I mean, you, you've worked across the country. What have you learned from that? I feel like my real theater education, my real acting education came from all of those experiences. I mean, I learned a great deal in acting school, certainly, but I think this is one of those professions where you learn on the job, you, you gain practical wisdom, you learn how to sustain, you learn how to take care of yourself, you learn, you know, what your creative capacity is, you learn how to rehearse. And I think all of those regional experiences, and you know, those jobs were, I, I've been, I've been very fortunate, I have worked with incredible directors, a lot of incredible female directors. Uh, I, I don't, I can't say that I've ever really had a terrible experience. You know, I've been fortunate. I've gotten to work with fellow actors that are, you know, far more gifted than I am. So it's like I get to have that masterclass every day in rehearsal and every night in performances. And it, it I mean it, it's where the true education comes. You know, you watch other actors and you learn, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know I could ask for those kinds of things or I didn't know that I could have that kind of um, agency in a rehearsal room um, I didn't know I could I could converse with a director in that kind of way hmm. uh, and then of course you know actually getting to, to do these shows and learning for myself you know what is it that I need to do to be able to sustain eight performances a week you know what what are my daytimes like and, and certainly like in musicals, you know, mm-hmm. very different from 
you know, from working on a straight play. And what are the actual reality things, the practices and habits that I have to do to be able to really take care of myself so that every night is as consistent as it can possibly be. And I think that's how I view all of these experiences, these wonderful experiences that I've had in regional theaters um, across the country. And you're right. I have been really fortunate. I, I'm just hearing you list the names of those theaters. I'm like, oh, what? I've been really lucky. <laughs> well, I think you've been really lucky for sure, but you also obviously have the goods and you have the ability, or if not, you would not be in those situations. So you're getting opportunities as part of your talent and your ability, not just, I think luck has a part as always for all of us in, in what happens in our sure, lives, sure. but being in the right place at the right time, but also um, being good and being ready for the opportunity when it comes your way. So I know that you're a graduate of not only Juilliard uh, Drama School, but you also are a graduate of the University of Virginia, two great schools that you have yeah. I'm sure learned a lot uh, that set you on the way, but really doing it really is, is, is the best practice, right? Getting out there and being in a show eight shows a week is, is how you get to oh, use your training. 100%. And get being out there on a stage or in, in the rehearsal room and, you know, having those moments of floundering too, mm -hmm. where you can't quite figure something out. <laughs> and it's a matter of asking the right questions or the or good questions with and collaborating with the director or it's learning to trust and have faith that it'll eventually come and yeah. you know so it's those moments too that yeah as, as much as i learned in acting school it's different when you're on the job you know it's different when you're being paid Absolutely. well yeah the responsibility goes goes up yes. uh, and so now you've yeah. got the biggest responsibility of all which really is delivering uh eight shows a week at a profit for profit Broadway theater in a very visible, high-profile, sorry, not trying to make you nervous, uh, high-profile <laughs> show that everyone is talking about that's really having a moment right now, uh, uh, another moment, uh, come from away of, I think, like you said, because of the times we're in. So so let's talk a bit about, you know, you've talked about um, being in this show on Broadway, uh, come from away. You've talked about, you know, we briefly mentioned some of your, your um, regional experience, but how did you first get, let's hark back a bit, and I wanted to know, this is just my own curiosity. How did you first get interested in theater? Was something was this something you always wanted to do as a little kid? Or was it something that developed over time? Did you have a mentor or someone who helped lead the way? How did you get to where you are, you know, today in terms of uh, your theater interest? I have this very distinct memory. I was in seventh grade hmm. and I walked by this, you know, Xeroxed poster on the wall in the hallway and i don't quite remember if it was auditions for our town or if it was actual performances of our town but i remember walking by it and thinking oh that's interesting like that that i feel like being on a stage or doing that kind of thing might be kind of fun so then that kind of got tucked away and then i switched middle schools and so in eighth grade i was walking down the hall again in a different middle school this time and i saw that they were having auditions oh no that's not true actually <laughs> I, it wasn't that I, it wasn't that i was walking the hallway i went to go see in in the fall in eighth grade my school did a production of dial m for murder oh wow <laughs> yeah i know right at the end at the at the, on the last page of the program it said 
holding auditions for Annie in like a month. So they were, the spring musical was going to be Annie. Mm. And I was obsessed with Annie when I was in kindergarten and first grade. Oh, really? I, yeah, and th- this will date me, but, you know, I I had the LP. I had the, mm-hmm. you know, the album. And I remember I had to get multiple copies of it because I would accidentally leave them in the car and they'd get warped. And so my mom, you know, <laughs> bought me multiple copies of the, the Annie soundtrack. Uh, so I was obsessed with it. And, and I, I think I remembered that. And so I was like, oh, you know, this... I bet this will be fun. So I auditioned and I got, I got cast as rooster. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Good. My voice, my voice hadn't changed yet. So it was basically <laughs> playing rooster up an octave. Uh, <laughs> hey, rooster's the but, best part of that show. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's a great part. It's yeah. yeah. one of the greatest songs yes. in all of Easy the theater. Street. You know? Easy yeah. Street. Yeah. And I'm sure I was terrible, but <laughs> it loved, I loved it so, so much. Sure. And I still remember moments of backstage, you know, antics. And, you know, I just, it's funny how those memories kind of stick with you. It's been such a long time. And, you know, ever since then, I did shows. I did shows all throughout high school. I definitely did not think, and even when I was at UVA, I did a ton of shows at UVA. I did not think that I would ever be an actor mm. because of a lot of reasons, you know, I, I think, you know, family pressures and things like that. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you because I've spoken to other Asian American actors on this podcast who have told me of some of the family pressures of being Asian, whether you're, you know, an uh, child of immigrants or, you know, who, you know, I think that whenever you're a child of immigrants, if that's the case, um, your, your family works so hard to, to, to get established and to, to, to get the family going. They're they're always scared of the arts, not in a bad way. They they love, they love the arts, but they're scared that it's going to uh, lead to, um, you know, you're not earning a living. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think I had those fears myself, you know, and all sort of interconnected with the things that my family believed and, you know, and yeah, I'm a child of immigrants. And of course it, it just, it's, look, I think at this point, given our, our global pandemic situation, everything is tenuous. Right. But, but, you know, I guess the arts continue to sort of be in everybody's mind sort of stereotypically more tenuous than other things, than other career options. So so when you were at college, Um, did, was theater, so when you were at UVA, for example, before you went to Juilliard, was this something that you, so you said you didn't consider it as something that you could do for a living? Yeah, and you know, I think that's, that's, that's pretty much, that's how we met, I think, because I was a company manager for Heritage Rep the summer in between my third and fourth year, because I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll go into arts admin. You know, mm-hmm. that's practical. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, you know, there's health insurance and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Hey, hey, you um, got to pay the bills. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was, so I was company manager that summer that we did, what was it? West Side Story and I think the Fantastics. A, a, ton, few of other, shows. a ton of shows that summer. Yeah. That was a fun yeah. summer and, at UVA. Yeah, it was a great summer. Um, and by the end of it, I think I knew that I was not meant to be an arts administrator. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's all the work. I, 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 still, I still apologize in my mind a lot to James Scales, who still works at UVA, because I must have been the worst company 
editor. I don't have um, any. I don't have any memories of of your not being good at your job. Uh, my memories are all positive. Oh, good. So good. I don't know. Good, I just good, good, I didn't good. experience it if that was the case. But so yeah. So you so so then in college you're dipping your toe in and out. You're doing. You're trying to figure out what led you to say, okay, Juilliard. Was that when something clicked? Did something click at UVA post UVA for you to go? Okay, now I'm gonna go for it full time. I I think it was a number of things actually. I think honestly birth order in my family has something to do with it because I'm the biggest sibling and my sister and my brother sort of were doing really well by that point by the time that I was I got to my fourth year in college and I think that took a little bit of pressure off of me and my parents could just kind of be like okay well if this is what you want to you know you give it a try Mm -hmm. you know we'll 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 let you do that and Mm -hmm. I have gone SCTC my fourth year and I had done really well there I you know for whatever reason I got a bunch of callbacks for things and I thought oh okay um I could maybe this is something that's possible so that that was a bit of a confidence booster and then Richard Warner one of the acting professors at UVA at the time had arranged for me to audition for the acting internship program at the Shakespeare Theater at DC Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm from the D.C. area, so I'd grown up going to shows there. And I thought, oh, this will be cool because it was a year, an entire season, and you're guaranteed stage time. You're, you know, in the ensemble, you're mm-hmm. understudying roles, and, and I could live at home. You know, my parents live in, or at the time, they lived in Springfield, so it was like 20 minutes from the city. Mm-hmm. And so I auditioned. I got a callback. I got accepted into the internship program, and... I started it right after, you know, fourth year ended. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. There were like two months, and then the season started up in the hmm. fall. Uh, and it was that year where I learned all the things that I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just how inexperienced I was, how green I was. And so that's the year that I applied to acting programs. And I was very arrogant uh, <laughs> the kind of level, of, why level of confidence that I don't have now? You know, I oh, have, I see the youth. Yeah, the, a, ar- the arrogance of youth. We're always, we're always yes, more exactly. arrogant. We think we so think everything's easy. My, exactly. So I told myself I'm only going to apply to Yale, Juilliard, and NYU. And uh, you know, again, the arrogance of that. Uh, I remember the theater let me out for the weekend, a weekend of performances to audition for NYU and Juilliard because they were the same weekend. Mm. And I got a call back at NYU and then my Juilliard audition was a Sunday. Um, And then I got back to DC, you know, went back into the run of the show that I was in. And then, you know, I eventually learned that I got, um, that I got a position in the, in that next class uh, in the fall. And I think what happened was that that was just another example of tangible proof for my parents. You know, my, it was the like second time that I ever heard my dad cry because I told him over the phone that I got in and, you know, he cried over the phone. And, mm. you know, that, so that gave them a little bit more confidence in me too, I think. And, um, yeah. And so I, I, I got in, went through the four years of training, um, you know, and then, when I graduated, it was a very different business than what 
we have now. I mean, I think there's always work to be done when it comes to all the different kinds of diversity that can be and should be represented in the performing arts. But it was a particular challenge when when I graduated. Um, and, you know, there have been many times where I wanted to give up and quit. <laughs> in fact, I did. I the business for four years. Oh, wow. I okay. moved. I moved to Seoul from 2007 to 2011. I wish I could say because I had a very calculated decision in my head about why I was moving, but I didn't. I just moved. <laughs> well, wait a minute. So you went to Seoul. You went to Seoul, South Korea, and yeah, I went to Seoul, South Korea. This was were you trying to find your? Was this like a trying to find my roots kind of trip, or what? What were you? No, I mean, although I did sort of do a good deal of that. Mm-hmm. It, again, there was no. I wish I were smart enough to say I had a real plan in my head. I an opportunity to to do it presented itself, and I moved, hmm. and I stayed there. And then, of course, this was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. The you know recession hit, yeah. And every actor friend that I had in the city was like, "Don't come back here. You can't even get a day job anymore." You know, yeah. so just you know, if, if you're doing all right, if you can manage out there, stay out there. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay out here. Hmm. And I did. And, you know, the interesting thing is it got to a point where I started to actually miss the business. I missed Hmm. being in it. You know, I missed um, in any capacity being a Hmm. part of it. And Hmm. so in the same way that I left, meaning without any real plan or just Hmm. the same sort of circumstances in which I came back, I was just like, okay, I'm ready to come back now. I came back. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I, fortunately the agents that I had at the time took me back Mm -hmm. and, you know, so I was able to start auditioning up again, uh, right up again. And, uh, so this was post, post Juilliard, you did the South Korea thing. Yes. Post Juilliard. Okay. I, first of all, as someone who grew up overseas myself, um, I applaud you. It makes you a more interesting person. It makes you a more well-rounded person to go be in another country for a few years. That's 100% true. It makes you a better actor. Do you know how many people I know who are in theater who all they do, they eat, breathe, smoke, theater, you know, all day long. And then they have nothing to do. American theater. Yeah, American, very specific, or musicals or something really specific. And then I think to myself, what on earth do you have to act about? You haven't experienced anything but theater. And theater is all about the world. Theater is all about acting all the main things that, you know, everything that's happening around you. And you have to be in tune. So I'm always amazed at people who don't have outside interests. And the fact that you threw yourself into a country, uh, you know, you went to another country and said, I'm going to just see what this is like. I mean, you must have come back with a renewed sense of purpose, a renewed sense of depth of maybe that's what helped you to kind of take it to the next level. Maybe. Actually, you know, I, I definitely, you know, in, as much as I said that it was a very sort of, it was a trip or, uh, um, you know, experience that lacked a lot of calculation and planning. Like I didn't have any of that. That's okay. What is interesting is that I look back at that time and I think, oh my gosh, yes, there was a tremendous amount of value to it. Uh, the things mm-hmm. that happened to me there, the things that I had to do, the things I had to learn about myself, invaluable, 100%. And I think you're absolutely right. I think every American needs to live abroad for a period and right? experience 
I think it would opening be- a check, opening a checking account in a different <laughs> language. You know, like oh yeah, I, I think all of that stuff is so valuable. I really do, and yeah. and not just for the not just for the sake of my acting or for my creative life, just as a human being. I think I definitely came back. I definitely came back with a broader perspective mm-hmm. about people. Absolutely. You know? And you know, and I, there's a big theater now, tradition in Korea, uh, in South Korea. Oh, there's a lot of theater in South Korea. I know a lot of oh friends my, who work there. Oh, my, oh it, was, it was incredible. I, you know, I got there at a time when the middle class just exploded. There's just a huge explosion of the middle class. And so there's all this disposable income mm-hmm. and people want to use their money and spend their money. So yeah. there were... Are these performing arts centers everywhere? Every like every street corner, there was a performing arts center. You know, a, you know, a performing arts center that had like a concert hall and mm. uh, and a theater. And I saw productions of a chorus, a lot of American musicals, and a lot of original musicals too, original Korean musicals. <laughs> Just amazing stuff and. The level of talent and ability was just consistently astounding there. And so what was great was that I think my inspiration kept going. It, you know, the fire, mm. even if it might not have been burning as hot, <laughs> mm. the fire was definitely there and it kept going for the time that I was living in Seoul. Right. The fire of creation, of creativity was still, you were, it was simmering and you were. Yeah. You were and I still love going to the theater, you know, mm. and I, and luckily I was able to. You know, I was able to see so, such a range of things in Seoul. So how did you, so you come back from, from South Korea and then you start to kind of reignite as we're using these, these, these heat and flame uh, metaphors. Uh, you start to reignite your, your career and get started to get back interested. How did you get back in? And then I wonder, is that where you sort of did a little bit more TV and film? Because your resume has some really interesting um, TV and film um, credits as well. Yeah, well, I had a little bit of a rough go in the first couple of years back, uh, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. My auditioning wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. I think I'm still struggling to find my creative, artistic confidence. And I honestly believe this, that it was, it's only been in the last maybe four or five years. Well, I, I often joke with people, I think it's only been in the last four or five years that I finally learned how to act. Um, I think there's some truth to that. I think there's at least a kernel of truth to that. I think because, you know, I, I started working in earnest, like relatively consistently, you know, within the last, I would say six, seven years. And I think each job, as I mentioned before, taught me something, showed me something about myself and about my process and about my creativity and about my range and about my abilities. Mm-hmm. And it's just taken me, and I'm, I've always been a slow learner. <laughs> it always takes me a oh, while to we all? really grab things. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so I I feel like in the last four or five years, my abilities, my confidence in my abilities has, has started to meet certain kinds of opportunities. And I think it's only been in the last handful of years, too, that I've started to do more television and film. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so all those things, both the internal things and the external things have started to coincide. So yeah, so that is sort of long-winded way of saying, yes, we've added TV and film into the mix. Um, so, relative. So, 
I mean, a lot of actors talk about this thing of, of sort of finding their time and their sweet spot, and they don't always necessarily know when that's going to be, right? Sometimes it's out of your hands. Sometimes it's you just needed to mature. Sometimes something about you in your 40s is more interested than interesting than something about you in your 20s or 30s. So that sometimes yeah. that's what happens. And you yeah. start to age into roles, and some, as just as you age out of other types of roles, you age into sometimes more interesting roles. Um, so that yeah. you might be experiencing some of that. So you've mentioned... I've mentioned a little bit, we've danced around a bit, television and film. Um, I, we're, we're, believe it or not, we're almost out of time. But before we go, I, have to, I can't let you go without talking about one of my favorite new shows on television that you are a part of, which is the fun, 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 great The Flight Attendant on HBO Max, which is so much fun to watch. And even though it's not theater per se, I find it to be very theatrical. Oh, very theatrical. Yeah, in the way that the final version of each episode has played out. Oh, and also because, you know, our showrunner, Steve Yaki, is a playwright. He's, you know, he's written tons of plays. And, and the writer's room has a ton of playwrights as well. So, you know, obviously TV is a very different medium. But I think that sensibility, you know, can't help but bleed into, the, into those scripts, you know. What a fun, fun show and what a fun opportunity for you. And I, I was so thrilled. I had no idea you were in it. And I was watching it sitting at home, you know, what during one of those pandemic weeks where you're just like, I need something to watch. Thank God yes. for that show. It was such a refreshing uh, breath of fresh air um, for that period. And so uh, with Kelly Cuoco and, and Rosie Perez leading the way. Um, and then I wanted to ask you all these different locations that the show goes to. Did you guys film on location or was it a studio or how did they do? This is stuff that people want to know that listen in. Uh, I, had, I had a listener ask me about, you know, what, 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 how did you do all the different locations? Is that um, studio? Well, they actually shot pre-pandemic. They had six episodes pretty much in the can and they had done all the international stuff prior to the shutdown. Oh, wow. So yeah, they went, they went all over the world. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those locations are, you know, actually abroad. Um, I think they were in Bangkok for Bangkok for a while. I can't remember some of the other places. But my stuff was just we, we all we did it all in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, but still on location. I remember the the coffee shop scene was actually at a coffee shop in Brooklyn. Right. Um, and yeah, and then I had an exter- external scene. Funny thing, I. I actually, I guess I'm allowed to say this. Why wouldn't I be? I, I, my character actually was supposed to get killed off in the first season. We actually shot an episode where I where I died, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was kind of cool because I had my own stunt double and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, so it was great. And and you know, working with Rosie Perez, she she is a consummate artist and consummate professional. She's so good at what she does, and you know touching back on this thing that I mentioned about, you know, you learn from every job. I mean, watching her on the set and operate in the way that she does. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a masterclass yeah. in film acting and just acting in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a blast. I had a blast doing that show. It was so really you, fun. Are you hinting that your character might come back for season two? I can't officially say anything. anything. Okay. Well, I hope and... your character comes back. <laughs> he was a lot of fun. And also, um, you know, it was so great to see you. And it, it, you, you were almost in disguise with your, um, I, I, with your mustache. It was like a mustache. Oh, with facial my, hair. my pandemic mustache. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was sitting there and, you know, it took me the longest time because I was staring and going, 
I know this person. Where do I know him from? Where did this face is so familiar to me? And yet the mustache kept throwing me off. And uh, then I went, oh, it was the pandemic the experiment that I had to keep because I auditioned with you it. You know, so I, I saw, and I hope you take this as a compliment. I think you will. Shades of Peter Sellers from the Pink Panther. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, because, totally because that's, I don't think, you know if you were even aware, but I feel like you were channeling him. Oh, that's so funny. Yes, I will take that 100%. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Well, James, we're almost out of time, which is crazy. We spent most of the time talking about uh, Come From Away, but we didn't get time to d- dig deep into all the other stuff you've done. But I want to talk uh, for people who are listening in and want to know more about you, because there's so much more than what we just talked about uh, to your career and just to you uh, as, as, a, as the wonderful person that you are. Um, if people want to keep updated on what you're doing, obviously right now, you're in Come From Away on Broadway and people can go get their tickets online and go to see you in that, I hope. Um, where can they go to keep abreast? Do you have a social media account that people can follow and, and, and stay tuned to what you're doing? Yes, I'm trying to be better about social media. I am not usually, but I think since Come From Away, there have been a lot of interesting things that I feel like have happened in my life. And so I, I feel like bearing that um i think i don't know i mean i i I feel the impulse to share it so yes so i'm on instagram uh i think i think at james south soul (laughs) well they can do a search for james they can search for james soul s-e-o-l yes s-e-o-l yeah yeah and the same on facebook yeah wonderful yeah yeah, so people can follow you there and do all the prerequisite searching put out a google alert for james soul everybody and make sure that you follow him (laughs) because it's gonna be not you know it's gonna be i i I mean this is me putting it out there in the universe for you but i think this is just the beginning of your your the second part of your uh career that's gonna be i think really exciting for you and for us to watch Oh, lovely and kind of you to say. Thank you so much, Oh, I think it's the truth. I can't wait to see you do more. So, James, um, all the best for you and and come from away. Keep healthy. Keep drinking the water. Hydrating. And (laughs) uh, I I, I really hope... Steaming. A lot of steaming. Yes, that's the thing now, right? Steaming. It's smart. Smart. Keep those vocal vocal cords (laughs) rested and steaming. We can't wait to see you. And hopefully we'll we'll come to New York to be able to to see you in your show, Come From Away. Um, Enjoy the run. Thanks, Stefan, so much. It was such a pleasure. Pleasure as well. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to the American Theatre Artists Online podcast. This episode was edited by Zach Walsh. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. If you'd like to share your feedback or send us comments, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at American Theatre Artists Online.